All right. Hey, guys. So uh, recently I've been very involved in a Christian message board on Facebook, and <clears throat> it is populated primarily by, we'll say, non-Catholics. Um, the reality is a lot of them are uh, probably evangelical fundamentals, uh, uh, fundamentalists, and a lot of them are very anti-Catholic. And, I, you know, I understand that I've been dealing for for 20 years. I've been doing apologetics online, and it's just the type of thing uh, that happens. And one of them started taunting, or a couple of them started taunting the Catholic Church um, with a claim that purgatory is found nowhere in the scriptures. Now, obviously, we've been going back and forth for weeks on this, you know, citing things like uh, 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul talks about the day of judgment, disclosing a man's works. And uh, if a man is built on the foundation of Christ, uh, even if he's built up um, things that are not lasting, uh, the examples Paul gives are wood, hay, and straw, um, the day will, will disclose that. And they will be tested as by fire. If the man suffers loss, um, if, if he actually, if he doesn't suffer loss, if, if something remains gold, silver, precious jewels, which stand for the good things we do in life, uh, then he will be rewarded. And if the stuff is consumed by the fire, then uh, he will suffer loss, but he will be saved as though through fire. Uh, that's uh, the, the wording of that passage by St. Paul. And, of course, there's no loss in heaven. Uh, there's no suffering in heaven. And there's no salvation in hell. And this is happening um, on or around or slightly after judgment. And so this has to be referring to some momentary state of cleansing uh, of the person getting us ready for heaven. And that just makes sense, right? We heaven, according to Revelation uh, 22, I think it is, uh, says nothing unclean can enter heaven. But of course, we die attached to sin, right? Even even if we're forgiven, if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, if we've done all the sacraments as a Catholic, repeatedly received them in a worthy fashion, if we've refrained as much as possible from uh, various sins, we still struggle in this life. None of us are perfect, and we still die at least somewhat attached to sin. And so it just stands to reason uh, that there is some sort of a change that happens to us between the moment that we die when we step into eternity and reach our judgment and, of course, uh, the resurrection in heaven. And so they kept kind of taunting this idea. They didn't like the idea. And usually I can actually go over and show the thread. I might do a, a review of it here uh, in this video or another video. Because it really just shows kind of the the sad state of debate um, that a lot of people, they just can't engage at all. Um, I already did one uh, video on this. It was actually received better than I thought it would be. Um, so I might shoot another one and just kind of do an overview of a failed debate. <laughs> Some people might like seeing that. Um, <clears throat> but so one of the things they kept saying is, well, you know, show me, show me the word purgatory in scripture. Obviously we can't do that. We can't show the word, uh, you can't show the word Trinity in scripture, right? You can't show, uh, there needs to be 27 books in the new Testament or there needs to be, uh, you know, 66 total books in the Bible, uh, or 73 if you're Catholic, which is a much holier number than 66, but not that that's a proof text for anything. But anyway, the continuous claim was that Catholics can't find purgatory in the Bible and Jesus never talks about it. And I knew that there's a couple of verses where Jesus actually uh, talks about it. He, he, he makes reference to it. And honestly, almost all of Luke chapter 12 is talking about that. 
Luke chapter 12 starts um, with a, a passage that was actually, I think we read this in math re- Mass recently, a few weeks back, uh, or at least one of these synoptic versions of this, because it's a gentleman who's very rich and he's very wealthy. He's looking around. He's very pleased. And uh, he, oh, actually, no, hang on. That's down here. That's the rich fool. Uh, so this actually starts with a warning against hypocrisy, right? Um Bearing in mind, you know, being aware of the the leaven of the fellows, the the leaven of the Pharisees, and ultimately a promise of judgment. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. So this is literally already talking about um, the day that discloses all things, right? That's the setup for Luke chapter twelve. Now, obviously, the the chapter divisions are not. Uh, original to the text, but they were put in places for a reason. Sometimes I can't quite tell why, but all of this section seems to deal with uh, concepts of the afterlife to some extent. Anyway, so after that, we get this exhortation, you know, don't fear those who can kill the body. Uh, and after that, have nothing else to do, uh, but fear the one who, after he's killed the body, can cast the you into hell. Uh, fear him, right? So basically, it's an exhortation to fear God. Obviously, not in the Jonathan Edwards sinners in the hands of an angry God uh, method, but, you know, it, there's something healthy to be said about having a fear of hell, um, especially because at the end of the day, you know, hell is, is self-selected. At the end of the day, you know, it's not a it's not a good thing, um, but we are free to go there. Right. Where there's a there's a famous phrase. There's there's really just two people in the world. Uh, those to say who say to God, you know, thy will be done. And those to whom God says thy will be done. I think C.S. Lewis actually puts it really interesting in mere Christianity when he says, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that if I'm going to live only 70 years, I don't really need to worry about. But if I'm going to live. Uh, an infinite amount of time, then I, I, I most certainly better bother, bother with it. He says, uh, you know, in, in 60, 70 years, it may be the case that my anger is slowly getting worse and worse, but, you know, so gradually that in 60 or 70 years, it wouldn't be noticeable. But in a million years, it might be an absolute hell. And hell is the precise technical definition given by Christians to this state. So anyway, we have a brief exhortation uh, about being brought before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities and not to be anxious. It sounds like Jesus is actually prepping us, uh, or at least his early first century followers. Uh, but really, I think this is also for all of us um, to, you know, be ready to bear witness. You know, this is going to happen. And then we get into the parables. So we get the, the, the first off the parable, the rich fool who looks around and he says, um, you know, look, uh, you know, I got so much grain. Where am I going to store my crops? I better pull, pull down my barn. Uh, it's, it's very Ecclesiastes, right? Uh, then I'll say to my soul when I've in- increased my barn, uh, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But then God says, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So he lays up treasure for himself and not rich. Sorry, and is not rich towards God. Uh, but then he follows this with another verse about not being worried, right? And I think this is actually important because the rich man is very concerned with his wealth. And so Jesus says, don't be worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Uh, you're worth more than the birds, the lilies of the field, and, and all that stuff. It's a very famous line. Most people know this. Um, so I want to kind of skip down it just because I think, you know, it was, you know, if God clothes the grass, which is alive today, you know, richer than Solomon, uh, will he not take care of you? You number the head, hairs of your head and all that stuff. These are, you know, famous. Actually, the hairs of the head I don't think is in here. But um, anyway, um, 
And then we have this little piece of advice, which is uh, kind of a meditation on the Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Sell your possessions, give alms, provide uh, yourselves with purses that do not grow old, store up treasure in heaven. Um, you know, I often joke, I work for the church quite a bit, and uh, I always joke, I'm not doing it for the paycheck, I'm, I'm doing it for the pension. <laughs> so, uh, and honestly, I shoot these videos, I'm not doing this because I get paid. This is just something I like to do. Uh, currently, obviously, if something comes out eventually, I'm very happy to pursue that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's I think it's a calling for us to uh, try to reach people and, and explain the truth. But then we get to this really interesting parable. The first off, we have the watchful slaves, and so Jesus has already kind of prepped us. That he's talking about death, and he's talking about the afterlife, and then we get to the watchful slaves. Uh, he says this, let your loins be girded, let your lamps be burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the marriage feast so that they may open, they may open to him at once when he comes and he knocks. Blessed are those servants who finds, whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the householder had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And I always thought this is interesting because he almost likens himself to a thief. And I've always thought, well, what if this is him likening himself to a thief and we're in the house of the devil, right? And so... You know, he actually makes a, another line somewhere else about you have to tie up the, the, the master of the house, going to rob him. And I always thought it so weird that Jesus tells parables about very dishonest people. There's the dishonest steward who goes and has them, you know, cut cut the amounts that they owe the master in half and write it back down so that when his master kicks him out, he'll have people who have pity on him and uh, and treat him well. And he actually praises this dishonored, dishonest steward, uh, at least to some extent, uh, for showing uh ingenuity and 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 craft but clearly this whole thing here is about the end times right it's about the end of your life uh and or the end of the world uh and bear in mind the end of the world comes for everybody right that's just a truism uh the world will end at some point the second coming will come for everyone uh because you will meet your maker at some point and so jesus has this exhortation to always be ready always be prepared uh lest you get caught unaware. I mean, and this is a this is a theme he revisits multiple times. You have the parable of the virgins and the lamps, right? It's kind of the same thing. But then Peter asks a question. He doesn't understand. He says, Lord, are you telling this parable for all of us or just for us, for us apostles? And the Lord says this, when there is a wise and faithful steward who the master will set over his house, to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Or who, or sorry, who is the faithful and wise steward who his master will set over his house? And this is interesting because the word here for steward is, I believe, the same word uh, the Septuagint will use for Isaiah 22, where we see the steward of the house of David who holds the key to the kingdom uh, and has the authority to bind and loose, which, of course, is the same authority uh, and key that Jesus gives to Peter in Matthew 16. And so Jesus says, blessed is that servant whom his master, 
when he comes, will find so doing, handing out the proper portion of food at the proper time. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. So there's a, a reward. If the master comes and finds him doing what he's supposed to be doing, he will be rewarded greatly. But, so there, there's one. There's actually four possibilities here. This is the first one. Number two, if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the men's servants and the maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, then the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. And he will punish him and he will put him with the unfaithful. Um, where's the word here? So the word for punish him, this is actually not, this is not the best translation. So here's this text um, in in the Greek, and the word here that's really interesting is daikatomesei, uh, which is basically uh, right down here, uh, daikatomeo. It's the word that we get dichotomy from, which means to split into two. So a dichotomy or a false dichotomy is, is a choice between two things or a false choice between two things. You might have heard that phrase. It literally means to be split in two. And so if you take a literal reading of this passage, it says, uh, he will cut him in pieces, or literally he will cut him in two. That's this verse over here. Uh, and then him with the unfaithful. So this is very clearly uh, an allusion to the end times. Uh, and it really clearly is, is an allusion to hell, as far as we can tell. So the first servant is, is uh, set over all the possessions and, and you know inherits the kingdom, basically. The second servant is cut in half and kicked out. And then we have two more servants. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not make ready or act according to his will shall receive a severe beating. But he who did not know and did what deserved a beating shall receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. And of him who men commit much, they will demand the more. So this is all in the frame of uh, it's eschatological, right? It's dealing with the end time. It's dealing with judgment, uh, dealing with salvation, soteriological, whatever the word is there. And, um, you know, so we have four guys here, and it's so neat because you actually see this idea of ignorance and how ignorance can diminish the uh, the punishment one might feel. And so Jesus is framing all of this in a sense as as punishment, uh, and so the church has kind of adapted this uh, with the concept of uh, of purgatory, understanding it as being something that is definitely unpleasant sensation or unpleasant undergoing. But it's necessary to to purge us. Again, Paul uses that same language. Uh, the the purging fire uh, of the day will will disclose uh, the works of a person. But there really isn't a way to read this particular verse uh, without it pointing towards uh, heaven, hell, and purgatory. And you have two different end here. One of them knows better and just doesn't do the thing. So so the first servant knows what's good and does what's good. The second servant knows what's good and does what's evil. The third servant knows what's good but doesn't do it. And the fourth servant doesn't know what's good and doesn't do it. Uh, but because he doesn't know, uh, he receives a lighter beating because less is expected of him. And honestly, this is where the Catholic Church begins to, and there's other passages, this isn't the only one, where you get this concept of ignorance, right, or invincible ignorance. If you really don't know, uh, you know, you will, you will not be... Uh, cut in half and put with the unfaithful, right? Uh, but you may still 
face some sort of punishment. And this whole passage here in Luke 12 actually ends uh, with one more. Uh, and he says this, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? Actually, this whole passage, I think, began with somebody asking him uh, to, to judge between him. Where was it? Anyway, um, maybe I was looking at the verse before this, but there's a verse right here. So he says, who made me a, a judge, an arbiter of you? But anyway, so uh, I see. And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go to your accuser before the magistrate, make every effort to settle with him on the way there, lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out till you have paid to the last copper. And so Jesus is speaking. This isn't just life advice. Like, hey, if you owe someone money and they're going to sue you, pay them off. Obviously, you know, that's good advice. You know, settle your debts. Um, but Jesus, this is in the context of the end of one's life. And Jesus makes reference to being put into a prison, but a prison that one can get out of once one is paid to the last penny or paid to the last copper. And so here again, we get this imagery of a place where you can wind up being uh, held after after death, uh, after judgment, uh, once it's been seen whether what you did was right or wrong, uh, whether what you did was good or bad, how much knowledge you had, and then you receive your reward. Uh, if you knew the good and you did the good, you receive a good reward. If you knew the good and you did evil, you receive not so good reward um obviously and if you knew the good but you didn't do it if you're lukewarm uh you will receive punishment of some kind or what you experience will seem as though a punishment um but if you were ignorant if you're truly ignorant then you actually have a shield to hide behind and again notice both of those last two servants uh they're not cast out right uh they receive a punishment but they're not cast out so anyway here we see a couple of different spots especially that part in the middle with the servants, where it's very clearly talking about the end times, and it's Jesus very clearly painting a picture of purgatory in the scriptures. I hope you found this helpful. If you have any questions, feel free to leave comments down below in the scriptures, uh, in the scriptures, in the comment section, <laughs> the digital scriptures of YouTube. First uh, YouTube, chapter 7, verse 49. <laughs> Um, if you like this, feel free to leave a comment, give me a like and a share. Uh, feel free to subscribe as well. And uh, until next time, God bless you guys. We'll talk soon.